Yet, in essence, it persists to the present day. As a writer, Defoe did not know what he was doing, therefore could have had no idea of the importance of what he was doing. Instead, following intuitions that, in retrospect, we concede may have flowed from a certain inborn genius, he gave us, under a series of disguises, a representation of the mind of his age, or rather the mind of an important social actor, the inquisitive, acquisitive man or woman of the ascendant Protestant middle class. One of the things about Defoe that irritated the people around him was his self-confidence. There was nothing he believed he could not do. In an age that did not lack for men of high intellect, Isaac Newton was a contemporary. Defoe was a supreme exemplar of a different kind of intelligence, of practical intelligence, of knowing or working out how to do things. Here follows a partial list of things he did during his seventy years on earth. He conducted, at various times and with varying degrees of success, trading operations in wines and spirits, in riding horses, in linen textiles, in woolen textiles and hosiery, in commercial seed, in tobacco and lumber, in cheese, honey and shellfish. He engaged in the financing of commercial fishing and ran a factory that made bricks and roofing tiles. He ploughed money into two failed projects, raising civet cats for the perfume trade and building a diving bell to search for sunken treasure on the seabed. He was twice declared bankrupt and imprisoned. In a parallel career in journalism, he edited a journal of opinion, The Review, which he brought out three times a week from 1704 until 1713. Specialising in foreign affairs and economic forecasting, it was unmatched in its day for the acuity and intelligence of its reporting, for all of which Defoe himself was responsible. Republished in full for the benefit of scholars in 1938, it runs to 22 fat volumes. In 1703, Defoe was prosecuted and found guilty of what would today be called hate speech, on the basis of a pamphlet he wrote in which, impersonating a fanatical Church of England preacher, he argued that the best way of dealing with troublesome dissenters was to crucify them. He spent five months in prison, followed by public exposure on the pillory. He was employed by successive government administrations as what we would today call an intelligence officer, but in his day was called a spy. In the course of his duties, he crossed the length and breadth of the country, sounding out popular opinion and reporting his findings to his bosses in London. He used this experience to set up a nationwide network of informers run from Whitehall. His close knowledge of national affairs provided the basis of a three-volume work he published after he had left state employment and was making a living as a professional writer. A profession which, if he did not invent it, he certainly pioneered. A tour through the whole island of Great Britain is at the same time a guidebook for travellers, an analysis of the state of British society, and an account of Britain's economic prospects, the most authoritative such survey of its day. Then, beginning in 1719, when he was nearing the age of sixty, Defoe wrote and published in rapid succession a series of books that pretended to be the life stories of adventurers and criminals 
as narrated by themselves. Books which did much to define the shape and style of the modern novel. The first of these fictions, The Life and Strange Surprising Adventures of Robinson Crusoe of York, Mariner, written by himself, gripped the public imagination and was a great commercial success. The last of Defoe's string of book-length fictions was Roxana, The Fortunate Mistress, published in 1724. Roxana bears all the marks of hasty production. It is repetitive. It could safely be cut by a third. It seems not to have been revised at all. There are two versions of the heroine's landing at Harwich after the storm-tossed voyage from the continent, and the passages in which she expresses her remorse for a life of sin read suspiciously like late insertions intended for the censor's eye.